0: Hello, and welcome to The Logistics
1: Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsty Adams, editor of SHD Logistics. You may be listening with scruffy hair, chipped nails, dry hands, but that's okay. It's the lockdown look and we don't mind. Lockdown beauty has been the only DIY that some of us have focused on this pandemic and this shows in consumer buying behaviour. That's according to today's guest, Sarah Booth, account director, supply chain, UK and Ireland for XPO Logistics. XPO has contracts with some of the biggest beauty brands in the world. Sarah says that in most European countries, with beauty salons closed until very recently, there's been an insatiable demand for everything from salon quality nails to home hair dyes. Some of XPO's customers in the beauty and personal care sector have witnessed an increase in demand of between 200 and 300% for their products. But before all of this, here is a roundup of the latest logistics news with Deputy Editor, James Berman. Over to you, James.
2: Thanks, Kirsty. And now for some of the top news stories from our inbox. ASDA extends Wincanton contract. Wincanton has extended its relationship with ASDA for the management of its transport and warehousing operations. The relationship has been in place for 15 years, and this two-year extension confirms the continuation of these services through to 2023. The partnership includes the management of warehousing and national transport operations across four key ASDA sites in Doncaster, Larne, Rochdale and Wigan, covering the nationwide strategy for frozen, chilled and wider grocery products. The contract employs 1,385 Wincanton staff and involves 53 vehicles. Chris Hall, Senior Director, Central Logistics at ASDA, commented, When collaboration in the supply chain is more important than ever, we look forward to continuing to find new and innovative ways to add value for both organisations. UK parcel industry joins forces to deliver massive scale COVID-19 test collection support. Some of the leading players in the UK parcel industry have pooled their resources and expertise to manage the nationwide collection and delivery of COVID-19 home testing kits into laboratories. Created by the Delivery Group, the Carrier Consortium includes Yodel, Menzies Distribution, DX, Diamond and UPS Healthcare. These businesses are working together to provide access to over 10,000 vehicles, 200 facilities and a combined workforce in excess of 16,000 employees. The Carrier Consortium is operating seven days per week on a massive scale across England, delivering a strictly controlled cool chain solution which ensures the temperature of tests remains constant from pickup to delivery. The Carrier Consortium is operating seven days per week on a massive scale across England, delivering a strictly controlled cool chain solution which ensures the temperature of the test remains constant from pickup to delivery over 100 leading suppliers of intra-logistics and supply chain solutions have already reserved their place at IMHX 2021. The exhibition will welcome back companies such as Crown Lift Trucks, TGW, BNB Attachments and Six River Systems at the NEC Birmingham from the 14th to 16th of September 2021. Exhibition Director Rob Fisher comments. Over these recent months, the logistics industry has shown it is of critical importance to the UK economy. IMHX 2021 will feature a host of cutting edge solutions designed to help keep operators up to pace with the growth of online shopping and optimize online fulfillment efficiency. Since its launch in 2001, the show has been held every three years, but at IMHX 2019, it was announced that its frequency would change to every two years.
1: Thank you, James. Now, before I bring you the latest from Beauty Retail, I'd like to share an update on the logistics awards. Due to circumstances brought about by COVID-19, we have decided to reschedule the awards, which will now take place on the 3rd of March, 2021. We will be officially reopening for entries between Thursday, 3rd of September, 2020, until Friday, 23rd of October, 2020. So for those who haven't already entered, you have a second chance, and we cannot wait to hear about your projects. For more information, please visit www.logisticsawards.co.uk. Warehouse property has been an interesting topic during COVID-19. SHG's property editor, David Tame, is the fountain of all knowledge when it comes to logistics space. He keeps his ear to the ground to keep you up to date. Here is David with the latest property news.
3: And the property news this month is that sheds are hot. Yes, you heard right, sheds are beautiful. They are the most beautiful thing the property industry has ever heard of. And I'm not really exaggerating. I'm, I'm barely bigging this up adequately, in fact, because unlike every other sector of the property market, sheds have shown that they can perform during a pandemic. Now, let me give you an example. Most shop landlords have been lucky to get between 20 and 30% of their rent in on the March and June quarter days. The UK average is about 38% of rent collected. London is a bit lower at 36. The West Midlands turn out to be very good payers. 41% of tenants have paid the rent. Now compare this with the amount of rent that logistics tenants have been paying over the last three months and you can see why sheds are as beautiful as landlords think they are. According to Seagrow, the large London-based landlords, a total of 93% of their June rent was paid on time. That's 93% compared with about... 30 to 40 in other sectors. London Metric, another large landlord, said that around 97% of the rent in their distribution portfolio had been collected. Those kind of figures are undoubtedly attracting the attention of investors who now want to build more sheds. At the same time, sheds are beautiful for a very different reason, in that The old crinkly tin box has become one of the most loved and demanded of property types. Data from Savile's Big Shed Briefing, published this month, shows that take-up of logistics floor space hit record levels in the first half of 2020, reaching 22.4 million square feet. That is a cool 66%, two-thirds, above the long-term average. And this comes despite economic uncertainties, pandemics, and the sheer bloody-minded difficulty of signing a lease during lockdown. Now, a large chunk of that increased take-up can be attributed to online retailers. Amazon alone accounted for 84% of the additional take-up, say Savills. Third-party logistics providers, many of them undertaking work for the NHS, added another 15%, and around another 10, 11, 12% were short-term lease agreements which were with retailers who needed somewhere to hide the stock that they couldn't fit into their closed high street stores. Not only are logistics operators signing up for more floor space, they are encouraging developers to build more. Developers really think sheds are beautiful. So we can look at sites like, for instance, Silverstone in the Midlands. In 2017, the development manager MEPC built 125,000 square foot of industrial floor space there and then nothing happened. But now it most definitely is happening. They have, after a three-year pause, begun work on 265,000 square feet of warehousing in four small to mid-box units, and it's the small to mid-box units, where most of the demand seems to be concentrating at the moment. It certainly represents a relatively low risk for developers, simply because the cost of building a small unit is a great deal less than the cost of building a big one, so they've minimised their risk. Simultaneously, some really big plans are going ahead. The West Midlands Interchange project for a site in Staffordshire has now passed an important legal hurdle, We don't really need to go into the detail. It will be far too boring. The gist is that the High Court can no longer be used to stop the development going ahead. It means objectors have missed their chance. The developer, Four Ashes, is now approaching funders and development teams in an effort to get construction going. And I would wager money, a large sum of money, on them finding no trouble sourcing financiers and development partners. There's no doubt that the pandemic has done terrible harm to some parts of the economy, but it certainly hasn't hurt the logistics sector. The truth is that warehousing is more beautiful than ever. And that concludes this month's Property News.
1: Thank you, David. David, did your beauty habits change during the lockdown?
3: Well, it's funny you should ask, Kirsty. I'm absolutely obsessed with Visibly Renew hand cream from Neutrogena. Banish that old hand look with Visibly Renew, I heartily recommend it.
1: Thank you, David. That is a great tip for all you hand washers out there. Beauty, like many other sectors, has seen a rapid change during the COVID-19 lockdown. Sarah Booth, account director at XBO Logistics for UK and Ireland, joined me on a call to talk about how the company has had to adapt its services for lockdown. I started my chat with Sarah, like me and probably you start every conversation at the moment. How is your lockdown?
4: For me personally, I've worked from home predominantly throughout the lockdown period. I'm responsible for both food services, for online operations, and for omni-channel operations. Most operations that I am responsible for have seen significant volume increases as we've been in lockdown.
1: You don't just look after beauty? Do you look after other brands? Is it mainly beauty brands?
4: It's quite a mixed portfolio. So I've got both clothing and retail brands, beauty brands, and food services all within my uh, portfolio.
1: Have you seen the most different behaviours within the beauty brand,
4: would you say? I think within online in general has seen an increase, but particularly with beauty. We've been experiencing volumes very similar to Black Friday, with some of our customers seeing volume increases between 200 and
1: 300%. That is high. How have you helped them manage that?
4: So we've done a number of things working with our customers. Obviously, we've had to go from a standing start. As a business, we would do an enormous amount of planning around particular peak events, Christmas, Black Friday, et cetera. But you have the luxury of those all happening at similar times each year. So we plan accordingly for resource, whether or not we're going to be putting mechanization in, et cetera, how we can manage that operation, getting people in and trained. The challenge with the impact of COVID-19 and operating through this pandemic is we have literally overnight seen volumes increase to 200 and 300 percent whilst we're operating in a very challenging environment with changing parameters in terms of social distancing etc so it it has been a case of genuinely working in partnership with our customers to be able to fulfill their needs meet their consumers demands but whilst keeping everybody safe at site. Can you give me an
1: example Sarah of how you sort of manage a specific challenge with one of your clients?
4: We've worked through a plan with them. When the volumes hit, we've sat down and talked to them about the latest guidelines around social distancing. We've moved people into different shift patterns. We've adapted our operations, put more one-way systems in, so as we're minimising opportunities for people to be working in close proximity. Our customers have had fantastic relationships with their consumers. I think everybody has had a focus through this pandemic on understanding the impact it has across all industries. So people's expectations around next day services, etc. People have been a little bit more understanding and perhaps a, a little less demanding in their expectations. So we've worked through with our customers what our capacity is each day, what we can do and how we can ramp that up. But obviously, the safety of our colleagues has been our first priority as XBO and is actually the same priority with our customer base. So we've been quite fortunate. It's been a a partnership approach in terms of how we've managed those. And it's just been continually evolving that plan and process.
1: It's interesting to hear and good to hear that people are basically more patient. I think it's something the logistics industry probably needs to have more sustainable processes. Customers that maybe will wait a little bit longer. What do you think brands will have to do to adapt to the new normal?
4: There's a whole host of things. And I think it depends on where your brand sits and what your digital strategy is so there's no real debate that some consumers will continue to purchase online one of the things that we've seen is consumers generally fit into three categories those that purchase in store those that purchase online and those that do a bit of both and particularly around beauty what we find is a lot of the younger generation are happy and confident to purchase online try new products because of social media because of tutorials on YouTube etc and because of that relationship they have with those brands in terms of Twitter accounts and Instagram etc so they're a generation that are incredibly comfortable about buying online and I think that the way the pandemics change things is that more customers that perhaps wouldn't necessarily go online to purchase something new have perhaps stepped into that arena and given that a try because of the fact that retail is shut and people have had to have these products at home. So we are expecting that there will be more consumers that continue to purchase online, not to the same levels. I'm sure there are plenty of people that will still want to go into store and have that conversation with an expert about what's right for them. But we are still expecting an increase in volume. And that's going to change, I think, the way that beauty brands engage with consumers.
1: Now, I'm just going to interrupt Sarah for a moment to introduce you to my friend Marlene. Marlene started doing makeup tutorials on Facebook during lockdown and managed to sell me a mascara for £23. I certainly would not have engaged with this particular makeup brand if it wasn't for one of my oldest friends selling it to me softly on Facebook. Here's her telling me why she thinks the approach works and how it might change buying behaviour in future. I'm bringing you into the conversation at the point where she's describing her Facebook tactics to me.
0: Yeah, all over Facebook and then a few messages on Messenger. Because you go on Facebook, you tag people. Someone tags another person. Someone says, oh, I need a new mascara. Oh, my friend sells that. She's on Facebook. I'll tag you in. And you can run your business completely from Facebook.
1: And Marlene, how did you get the products to your customers?
0: Well, I did mainly postage, but you can post them directly out from unique to the customer. But anyone who was living locally, I'd go and do some doorstep drops. And just put my gloves on, go out and do a bit of doorstep delivery. And it was good customer service, I think. People enjoyed just kind of opening their front door and seeing a little package on their on their front door. So do you think, Miles, in future that people like us are more likely
1: to buy makeup via this channel than perhaps by going into a department store?
0: I think so, because you walk into a department store, you have no idea which part of it to go to. There's makes everywhere. And also, you're going to get that one person who works for, I don't know, Chanel. They're going to show off their product because they work for Chanel. Okay, fair enough. I work for Unique. But you get to see me putting it on in front of you. You get to hear my opinion. I was completely open and honest with what I thought of some products, um, whether they were right for me or not. And I think you trust people more especially if you know them or someone else knows them. I think you trust people more and you say, do you know what, I'll give that a go and I want to help her build her business anyway.
1: Marlene's right. Friends will buy our friends to show support. Anyway, back to Sarah. We're rejoining the interview at the point where she's explaining that the beauty brands doing well are the ones with an existing and strong digital strategy
4: those beauty brands that have done particularly well are those that have got a strong e-commerce and digital strategy already in play. So where they have an omni-channel offer, so you can purchase in-store, you can purchase online, they've probably handled this pandemic best. And I think what's going to happen with brands going forward now is that they are going to engage much more in social media to create that relationship direct with consumers and then look at what else they can do to adapt their supply chains to be more agile because without a doubt the businesses that have benefited most throughout this pandemic particularly businesses in the, the beauty industry are those that have that omni-channel presence.
1: Can you tell us a bit more about the products that we're talking about here?
4: So, we've seen a huge increase in particular lines. If you can imagine that most of the retail stores are shut, our hairdressers and nail bars and beauticians, etc., are shut during this pandemic. So, what we've seen a real increase in is people purchasing nail care products, so gel removal products, manicure products, so nail polishes, treatments, etc. There's been an increase in hair dyes, etc., over this period where people are trying to do a little bit of DIY beauty, if you like, at home. And then there's been quite an increase in people wanting face masks and moisturisers to keep on top of their normal beauty regime in home. Sarah, during this period, what has surprised you the most? There's been two things that have surprised us from a volume perspective how quickly the volume came in so a volume increase of between 200 and 300 percent from a standing start is a phenomenal challenge for us to have to deal with operationally and we've managed that quite well but usually you know e-commerce operations generally see between a 10 and 15 percent year-on-year growth so 200 to 300 percent is quite extraordinary and the products that have increased in volume aren't necessarily what we would have anticipated we wouldn't have perhaps thought that nail products would go as high as they have. And I think the change in those products has been around how long we've been in lockdown. So immediately it wasn't necessarily gel nails and removals and nail polishes that perhaps were the first things that people bought but literally within a couple of weeks and realising that perhaps we weren't going to come out of lockdown as quickly as everyone had hoped that the volumes of those have have come out quite high sellers along with hair dyes etc I think everyone's sort of held on for as long as possible and then got to a point of where they've needed to do something themselves. Has it been the ultimate resilience test? Without a doubt. I often joke and say that I'm sure everybody in logistics is dusting off their business continuity plans. And I'm pretty certain pandemic was not in there previously, but I'm sure it will be going forward. The way that the industry has managed through this pandemic has been phenomenal. It's been a real credit to everybody within the logistics industry.
1: And do you think that it could change business models in future?
4: Yes, I think possibly so. I think there's certainly a lot of retailers will be reviewing their strategy, both in and out of the beauty sector. Without a doubt, everybody's gonna be focusing on on what they can do to protect their business from something like this in the future. And I think for businesses that perhaps haven't got an omni-channel option or an online focus, will certainly be considering that going forward. I'd encourage them to do that and to also select their provider really carefully
1: What does the future of beauty logistics look like?
4: It's going to change, without a doubt. We've got more and more beauty brands coming into the market. Customers want huge amounts of choice. The demand on services is changing. We've gone through a period in the pandemic where people have been a little bit more patient around things. There is a whole focus on the wider environment for consumers so it's not just about the latest colors it's not just about the latest influencer it's about how sustainable that brand is it's about how that brand operates and then seeing how that filters through into the supply chain so we've seen more interest in packaging are we using too much packaging is the packaging recyclable etc that takes a real focus not just on the products itself and then how are those products made where are they made what ingredients are they using
1: Do you think we could come out of COVID-19 with more sustainable supply chains?
4: Yes, I think the industry is doing a lot to try and be more sustainable. And that's because consumers are demanding that. And as a result of the consumers demanding that, the retailers, the online retailers are all having to pick up with that because it's a true differentiator in terms of you selecting which brand you're going to go with.
1: So my readers are people like you heads of operations, logistics directors, warehouse managers. What information would you share with them from your experience that you think they might be able to take away, apply to their own business?
4: I think they'll have probably experienced the same things that we've experienced that if somebody had told us earlier this year that you were going to deal with volume increases of between 200 and 300% overnight whilst operating in a completely alien environment to how we would normally operate, we'd have all sat back and gone, oh, I think you're mad. We'll need weeks to plan that. But the reality is, for us, this has given us a real boost as a business almost in terms of what we actually are capable of and what we can face into when we have to. And that is phenomenal. Certainly the teams across our business have been absolutely amazing in terms of how they have delivered what's required from a service perspective whilst maintaining social distancing and behaving in a a safe and responsible way. It's been really heartwarming to see how people have adapted to this.
1: That team spirit. Yeah, absolutely. I interviewed um, a chap from BMW a couple of weeks ago and he was saying how, obviously they had to shut the plant down, but when they reopened it, it was just really good to see people and everyone came in in really good spirits, really positive. Everyone just wanted to get behind the business. So I've hearing a couple of stories like that, which is quite nice.
4: It's been fantastic. And the levels of engagement on sites just haven't changed at all. So, you know, we, we've still got highly engaged teams. And I think for the industry, it's been fantastic in a way because it's, it's true recognition of, the backbone of our country is without doubt logistics, you know, that we've got some great frontline key workers within the NHS, etc. But it's been the distribution businesses that have kept everything going, got the food into the stores, uh, been able to keep people occupied at home with their uh, online purchases. It, it's been fantastic to see. Certainly within um, my network, more people understand what it is that I do now.
1: Well, I'm glad that people finally know what Sarah, you and I do for a living. Now, changes to beauty buying behavior catalyzed by lockdown is interesting stuff. And as Sarah said, there's no doubt that consumers will continue to purchase products online. I read an article this week by beauty journalist, Kelsey Castagnon on popsugar.co.uk. Kelsey talks about how beauty brands are thinking and acting differently. To keep that customer interaction going and to be more than just an online transaction. According to Castagnon, brands have started to provide access to makeup artists online and expanded their virtual offerings as a stand-in for in-person beauty appointments. The article also mentions sending more makeup samples by post. She says that brands are Trying to think of more casual ways to connect to their audience, for example, by starting a WhatsApp group. So quite similar, I would say, to what my friend is doing, that casual, friendly sell. I think that beauty brands are being incredibly creative. They've had to adjust really quickly. They were, you know, first to close, last to open, if they open again at all. Recent closure announcements by the likes of John Lewis tells us that some won't But I look forward to hearing of new, creative ways that this innovative sector will continue to serve its customers. Now, as you know, at the Logistics Podcast, we like to turn our readers into listeners and our listeners into readers. So, please do sign up to the SHD Long Reads e newsletter, which we launched about a month ago and is actually proving very popular. It carries four longer articles, which take a maximum of five minutes to read, and we focus on four main areas technology, sustainability, people, and retail. To sign up, just visit www.shdlogistics.com. Finally, and just as a reminder, The Logistics Awards have been rescheduled and will now take place on the 3rd of March 2021. We will be officially reopening for entries between the Thursday the 3rd of September 2020 until Friday the 23rd of October 2020. To find out more please visit www.logisticsawards.co.uk Thank you for listening to the Logistic Podcast. I hope you managed to pick up some useful tips and I hope you enjoyed it. We'd like you to go back and listen to some of the previous episodes that you may have missed. I highly recommend them. These past episodes include interviews with industry commentators like Professor Richard Wilding. You might also enjoy listening to our visits to Jeffco. One of my favorites is an episode called, Let's Talk Plastic. In that episode we interview Unipart Logistics who were tasked with removing single-use plastic from Sky's supply chain. So I'd highly recommend that one, it's actually got some really useful tips and advice. We've also um, interviewed NHS supply chain, we've tackled topics such as Brexit and Black Friday. So um, do scroll, see if you fancy anything. Be back really soon with another episode but if you would like to reach out to us with any news about your business or your views about the industry we'd love to hear from you. Please just email kirstie.adams at Take care of yourselves and until next time.